Thank you, Isaac. Please turn on your mobile phones to Hebrews chapter 11. Or your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read this passage, Hebrews 11, 1 to 6. I'm saying this for the sake of those online. Um, on on www.simplygod.net, it's all there for you. Hebrews 11, 1 to 6. I'll read it, then I'll pray. Listen to this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray. Open these words now to us. We began our service this morning with those words, we must pay careful attention. So please help us now to pay careful attention. Amen. So what are we doing? Why are we in Hebrews chapter 11? Here's what we're doing. Next week, term two, we kick off our study in Hebrews from chapter one, verse one. But what I thought we'll do today is just have some fun. And uh, th this is a hoste uva. You know I'm sophisticated. Uh, so hoste uva is a sophisticated term, meaning a taster that makes you hungry for the main course. And so that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, you know it's actually a hors d'oeuvre, but anyway, never mind. Okay, so today we're just going to have fun in those six little verses, and I've got a question for you. What is faith? What is faith? Look at, look at verse 1. Now, faith is... What is it? What, if I said to you, what is faith? Now, faith is, what would you say? Well, I've got two pictures for you. Look at this. Two pictures drawn by an artistic friend of mine. <laughs> uh, no, drawn by me. But anyway, look at that. Two pictures of faith. This is what your average person in Perth thinks. And, sadly, a lot of Christians. The first picture, and I'm saying it, you can see it, but online they're listening, is a seesaw. And on the one end is faith, and on the other end is certainty. And wherever certainty goes down, faith goes up. And wherever faith goes down, certainty. In other words, they, they're different, right? They're not the same thing, okay? A lot of people think that. The second picture 
is of someone, well, it's not a someone because I can't draw, I can't even draw a stick man. It's a picture of a jetty and that is certainty. When you're on a jetty, it's certainty. Why is it certainty? You can't see my laser, but I point for my sake. Um, you see those pillars because you've got solid grounds holding up the jetty and that's certainty. But what faith is, is faith is that little spot there which you can't see, I can. Uh, that little spot there is where certainty ends Faith steps in, right? And you take that leap of faith, and that's what faith is. And how many people think that? Now, I want to tell you that that is wrong. That's wrong. It gets lots of things wrong. One of the things that gets wrong is it gets certainty wrong. I don't want to get philosophical, but I'll just say this very quickly for the two of you who are still listening. Uh, certainty doesn't work like that. Philosophically speaking, certainty is impossible. No one can be 100% certain of anything. The reason is because, philosophically speaking, all knowledge is interrelated, and therefore, if you're going to be certain about one thing, you have to know everything. So only God is certain. End of philosophy. So it gets certainty wrong. More importantly for us is it gets faith wrong. That is not biblical faith. That's superstition, gullibility, credulity. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is certainty. Certainty. Biblical faith is not a positive outlook. Do you know I once met an optimist? I'm not. I think everything's going to go wrong. Some people think faith is a positive attitude, like the law of attraction. You know, if you believe it's going to work, it will work, you know. Well, that's never happened for me. I don't think it's going to work, and it does, you know, surprising. Biblical faith is not wishful thinking. There are no unicorns. I've looked. Biblical faith is not believing against the evidence. That's not biblical faith. True faith can never, ever go against the evidence. Did you hear that? True faith can't go against the evidence. Biblical faith is grounded entirely on what God says. Biblical faith is grounded on what God says. If we believe Anything that God has not said, we are superstitious and gullible. Biblical faith is being certain. As certain as a human mind can be about anything. Here is biblical faith. Look at verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, here it comes, must believe that he exists, God is there, and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith does not conjure up reality. If you believe in hobbits, they're never going to be there. Faith doesn't make Things true. Things 
are true. And so we believe them. We have faith. Faith is believing a certainty. Biblical faith is a certainty. Faith is believing a certainty. Look at this. Here are two statements for you. One says, I believe in electrons. The other one says, I believe in God. Which one of those is faith and which one of those is certainty? We're just having fun today. I'm trying to make you hungry for Hebrews. Which one of those is certainty? Which one of those is faith? And the answer is, both are both. Both are both. Watch. See that part which I've put a circle around? The I believe. That is subjective faith. That's what I believe. That is subjective. That comes and goes. Sometimes you believe very strongly. Sometimes you don't. That is shrouded with doubt. Did you know doubt is not bad? Sometimes doubts are the way to certainty. Unbelief is a sin. Doubts are not a sin. I believe is the subjective part. But the other aspect of faith is this part. The object which you believe, electrons, or God. That doesn't change. That's certain. Whether you believe it or not is another subject. But that is certain. And I've obviously picked electrons and God. Why? Why do you think I've picked those? Not because God is shocking. Why have I picked those? Because they are two things you can't see. No one can see. Science, scientists can't see electrons. No one can see electrons. We know they're there. Two things you can't see. So, Dwayne, how will I be certain about things I can't see? I'll give you two illustrations. Lovers. Did you know love is real? Love is certain. But subjectively, you've been, you're in love with someone, you've been together for years, and one morning you wake up and she thinks, do I really love him? I don't know. I never knew he had snore like that. And, and then she thinks, but even if, does he love me? <gasps> I'm doubting again. But love is still real. But now I'm doubting. And so what must you do? You re-examine the grounds for your belief. Let's talk about electrons. <gasps> I don't know if they're real or not. Well, nor do scientists. So this week, they are nearing completion of a new Halidon Collider. It's in the Alps, in the mountains, deep below. It's the best new billions of dollars collider. And what they do is they accelerate atoms and particles, and they go... And like some of these badly designed amusement parks, they end up crashing into each other. And suddenly when they smash, these little things go flying and they look at the effects and they go, ah, right, right, right. You can't see electrons, but you can see they're there because of the effects that they cause. Biblical faith is the certainty that God is really there. Certain. He's really there. So we're going to take verse 6. Faith is believing God is there and that he rewards those who seek him. Two things. Here is the first. 
Faith is believing the certainty that God is really there. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now I love the ESV Bible, but I have to do this. I'm sorry to do this to you. But that word assurance is just bad. It's weak. Because assurance is only dealing with the subjective part. Faith is the assurance. I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe. Assurance is a bad word. The original word, substance, doesn't make sense to most people. So that's why they put assurance there. But the better word is just the original word, substance. Faith is the substance of what is really there. What do you mean, Dwayne? Here's what I mean. Faith shows us the reality of what is really there. There are some things you just can't see. And this verse tells us that. Why can't I see it? There are two reasons. And they're in that verse. Some things are not here yet. That's why you can't see it. And some things just can't be seen. Look at verse 1 again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's why you can't see them. So they're not here yet. Silly to say, I show me. Well, I can't because it's not here yet. That's the problem with having faith in God's word. The problem with faith in God's word, and it's not a real problem, I'm just telling you why people struggle, is because God's word is in the form of a promise. Because God is really there, he's the only God you study, don't let me persuade you, you go study other religions, you see if there's any religion that has a word about the future. Christianity is always about the future, both the Old Testament and the New. And because God speaks a word about the future, the nature of God's word is that it's a promise. God is the God who makes promises. How do you know the true God? Easy. The one who can tell the future. It's very easy. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the future is huge. Throughout the book of Hebrews, the, the nature of God's word being a promise is massive. Our faith is in God's words, and God's words are about the future. Remember the children's talk? I did Pilgrim's Progress with the children earlier, and this is the verse I put up. Look at it again. You've got need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's, that's a few verses before Hebrews 11. The nature of God's word is it's a word about the future. It's a promise. And that's why you can't see it. You can't see it because it's not here yet. Very simple. And so what we have to do is, have we got good grounds to believe God? Have we? Yes. Because if you go to the Old Testament, you see all the promises God made. Every single one of those promises came true in Jesus. Therefore, 
God is reliable. My grounds for trusting his word about the future are good grounds. Faith is trusting that God doesn't lie. Faith simply says God will come good on his promises. And the challenge is, can you live on a promise? Can you live on a promise? Because I can tell you a lot of people can't. There's no child who can. They want it now. But if you don't grow up spiritually, you'll be like that too. I want it now. Never mind the future. Now what faith does, look at it again. Verse 1. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. What faith does, listen to this, substance. Faith substantiates the future. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. You own the future now. That's what faith does. I own it. It's mine. God promised it to me. I don't see it yet. In one sense, I haven't got it yet. But my faith substantiates what God has promised. That's what verse 1a means. And so many people can't live on a promise. And so you have to invent a new word of God, which is victory now, which is not true. Every one of you are going to die. And what you invent is your best life now. That's not true. If you believe that, boy, are you in for a happy surprise one day. It's not now. Biblical faith is future orientated, but you substantiate it now. Okay, the second reason you can't see it, faith is believing the certainty that God is there because some things aren't sure yet, you can't see them. And secondly, because some things just can't be seen. It is childish to say, well, I don't believe in God because I can't see him. I mean, that is infantile. Have you ever played this game? You know, it's like that. If I can't see it, it's not there. I used to play hide and seek with my son. And he ran and hid his eyes because he thought if I can't see, no one can see, you know. I don't know how that works, but, you know, and we all grow up. It's like electrons that I showed you earlier. You can't see electrons. Did you know that they now think, and I'm not a scientist, but as far as I understand it, Electrons are defying all that we know about science because they're not in one place. Apparently, they're in different places at the same time. Figure that out. Some of you with very thick glasses will come and explain that to me, but I don't understand it. But the point is, you know they're there. Certain. Are you certain? Yes. I'm 99% certain they exist. Here's why. Because I can see the effect. When they have those collisions, they can see the effects of electrons. If you want to see electrons, you will only be able to see them by their effects. Same as God. No one can see God. So we see God by his effects. Look at verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. I'm not going to go into that because that's what Hebrews 11 is about. But look at verse 3. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. So that 
what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What's verse 3 saying? You know God is there because of the effects, i.e. creation. The creation tells us that God is there. His word created everything. Now, now. His word doesn't tell us how he did it. You can believe what you want about that. Some people believe in evolution. I don't have a problem. It's not my problem. Because the Bible doesn't tell us how God did it. All we know is that he created it through his word. That is certain. Now, what grounds, Dwayne? What grounds do you have to believe that God made all of this, including Australia, by his word? I've got the best grounds possible. Because that word became flesh. Jesus. Ah, something I can see and touch. And people saw him and touched him. In other words, the grounds for the certainty that God created through his word are solid. That's biblical faith. Faith never goes against the evidence, ever. Listen, it is unscientific to believe that the universe created itself. No true scientist believes that something can come out of nothing. That's not true science. True science will never say something can come out of nothing. Christianity believes in true science. I don't know how God did it, but I know that out of nothing, look at verse 3, he made the universe by his word. So, faith is believing the certainty that God is really there because some things aren't here yet and some things can't be seen. Verse 6 again. Look at verse 6. Verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God, that's the first thing must believe that he is really there. The second thing, and that's the last thing, and, look at verse 6, that he rewards those who seek him. At this point you must say, okay, God is really there. So what? So how does, so how does that affect tomorrow? We love so what questions. And that's what it says. God is really there. Secondly, God is the only reward worth seeking. That's the second point. Biblical faith is that God is really there and he's worth seeking. That is biblical faith. Look at verse 4, 5, and 6. I'm not going to go through it in detail because this is a hosta uva, but I'll just pick up on some things. Look at verse 4, 5, and 6. And what I want to do here is just show you what biblical faith does. Because that's the so what. You know, if you really believe something, it will change your life. You know this to be true. 
If you really believe something, faith has that power to change your heart if you really believe something. Even science knows this. What I'm telling you, science knows as well. You've heard of the placebo effect. Do you take the red pill or do you take the blue pill? Now, it doesn't matter which one's the drug. Because if you really believe the blue one is real and you take it, most people feel better. But it's not real, but they feel better anyway. You know, that's how Australians think. They think, hey man, you believe in Jesus, I'm glad it works for you. Because they think it's a placebo effect. And so you believe something, it makes you feel better. That's why, that's why religions that are not true still have such a good impact on society. It makes them do better and feel better, even if it's not true. That's the placebo effect. The problem is that if it's not true, you're not really cured. And even if you feel better, you might get sick and die. Maybe. I don't know. Biblical faith is not just being certain. It's knowing that that thing is absolutely true. And when you really believe that, it'll change your life. And you will end up adoring God. Look at verse 4. By faith. See, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And uh, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. That's just, yeah, we are talking about Abel, even though he's dead. That's all that that's saying. Here's the point, though. Both Cain and Abel had faith. Both had faith. Both believed in God. Both worshipped God. Both brought a sacrifice to God. Hmm? But God accepted one and not the other. And this tells me it was on one ground. Faith. But Dwayne, you said they both, ah, obviously one had biblical faith and the other didn't. That is, in one case, faith changed the heart. And God looked down, because the heart is not hidden from God, and he saw Abel's heart, he saw Cain's heart, and he knew Cain's heart was unchanged by his faith. And so what did Cain do? He killed his brother. Yeah, but that was later, Dwayne. I know, but God saw what was in his heart before he did anything. His faith didn't change his heart. That's why this morning when I did the kiddies talk, I spoke about that girl called Skin Deep and the boy called Looks Good. It's the same thing. It is so scary that two people can sit in church. Praise the Lord. Two people can believe in God and one has faith like Abel and one has faith like Cain. Very scary. Oh, Dwayne, oh, that's frightening. How will I know which one I am? Two ways. One is the book of James, which we studied in term one, which tells me that your faith will be tested through difficulty. That's why God makes sure that Christians go through suffering, because then you'll know if your faith is real or not. 
But not today. What we're looking at is the second way. And it's simply this. Do you love God? Do you love him? Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now watch this. Before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he's there and that he rewards those who seek him. What are you saying? Here's the thing. Biblical faith creates this relationship. Here is God and here is the believer with biblical faith. It is a relationship of mutual pleasing. God is pleased with Abel, not Cain. God is pleased with Enoch. God is pleased with you and me if we have biblical faith. But, how do I know if I've got biblical faith? Because I am pleased with God. God pleases me. The one who is a real Christian is pleased. Everything God does is, whoa, that's amazing. Everything he does, we are pleased with. It's called worship. It's called adoration. The believer is pleased with God because the believer thinks God is a father who's loving and kind and wonderful. If you don't think those things about God, you might believe in him. But if you go to other religions, you'll find people who believe in God, but they don't think he's father or loving particularly kind. In other religions, God's a paymaster, which is actually the word used here. Uh, that is, whatever I put in, I get out. Christians don't think that. We think God just never stops giving us what we don't deserve. So the believer is pleased with God, but, 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 God is pleased with them. Why? What grounds? And the answer is, you know it, the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus entered our world, he died on that cross. Before he died, God said, look everybody, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Before Dwayne was a Christian, God could never, unless he's lying, God could never look at Dwayne and say, in Dwayne, I am well... That's just not true. My folks weren't pleased with me. How could God be pleased with me? But then I become a Christian. Here's what happens. All my sin is taken by Jesus when he died on that cross. And more, all his righteousness is given to me. I'm clothed in his righteousness. Now, I can tell all of you, however bad week I had, because I have biblical faith clinging to Jesus, God looks down and God says, in Dwayne, I am well pleased. Not because of me, because of my substitute, Jesus. This is what he did for me. And so I'm now pleased with God. I think he's wonderful. 
And God is pleased with me. And so we're back to verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is and that he's worth drawing near to. Look at what it says. And that he rewards those who seek him. If you don't think God's great, you don't yet have biblical faith. Faith makes God your best thing. Now, what's left? Faith is believing the certainty that God is really there. God's the only reward worth seeking. If anyone knows another reward, let me know. What must we do? We close with this thought. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. Why did you pick that, Dwayne? That's what Jesus said. If you want to know what is certain, listen everybody, come back. If you want to know what is true, what is certain, it depends whether it's something you can see or not. Do you want to know for sure that pandas, who believes in pandas? If you want to know for certain that pandas are true, you're going to have to, by faith, trust the TV and David Attenborough. Or you can buy a ticket, fly to wherever pandas are, and see for yourself, and you can be certain. Because pandas are things you can see. If you want to be certain about God, about reality, about things you can't see, then you're going to have to come to his word. His word tells us what is certainly true. This term, why don't you exercise a bit of discipline? Come and hear the book of Hebrews. Listen, like I started this morning, pay careful attention to what you hear. That will generate in you faith. Faith is not something you can generate. It comes by hearing the word of God. And as you hear it, it grows. And this term, why not get into a home group where others will encourage you? Doubts are not sinful. And you get to walk with other people who will tell you, I was doubting this week, but then I... Uh, you know, it's okay. Lastly, here is a warning for everyone. I hope everyone was happy. You know, I get paid to do this, so I guess I should tell the truth. Verse 5. God was pleased with Enoch. You know what that tells me? Here's the part I must tell you because it's true. That means there are some whom God is not pleased with. I know you might find that unacceptable. There's this idea that if you're a homo sapien, God is pleased with you. Not true. There are some people who are God is not pleased with. And I want to warn everyone here this morning. Are you certain that God is pleased with you? If you have a bedroom, do you keep things in your bedroom that displease you? Well, no, why would you do that? You get rid of them, right? But my family I have to keep, but that's another subject. But if you have things in your bedroom that displease you, you get rid of them. One day, God will get rid of those who displease him. That is true, that is certain, and it's a warning to all of us. Pay attention.
to what you hear. Well, I'm going to close in some prayer. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I forgot to say at the start of this talk that there is a number, and you can text in any questions you have. Look, but today's communion, so I'll keep an eye on the time. But let's bow our heads. If you do have a pressing question, you can text it in now. I'll pray and I'll take one or two questions.